So the scripture reading for today's sermon comes from the Old Testament, from Second Sam, oh, sorry, First Samuel chapter two, verses one through ten. And this text, we're going to read it in just a minute. But this text follows where we were last week. If you were able to join us, or if you listened um, during the week, it comes uh, after the book of Judges, and it leads into several books that are coming about the kings of Israel. But it's this time in the middle that can be tough. It's, it's good, but it can be tough. Um, the experience of the time in the middle, the time before the kings is, um, is sometimes rough. And so last week we looked at Judge Deborah. She was leading the Hebrew people. She was bearing witness to the strength of God. This week we look to Hannah. She's a woman who also bears witness to God and she plays a significant role in God's plan to liberate his people. So if you have your Bible with you, if you have your Bible on a, an app on your phone, um, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. It's also going to be on the screens for you here. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy up from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I asked Noah if he would leave maybe the last slide or two up there. That's a good one. Um, just, I have a question for you and I wanted you to be able to see this as I ask you. So why does this text look like this? Why is it indented? What has Chad taught you about literature in the Bible? Somebody said. It's a song. It's a song, it's, it's indented this way rather than prose. You know, like when you read a novel, the prose just continues going. 
The text is indented like this so that we'll see it on the page in the Bible. It jumps out to us and it signals us, hey, this is a song. This is something you need to read and consider what's happening. This is actually um, very typical of Hebrew literature. It's not, it's not a psalm, you know, like the, the hymns that were in David's hymnal, the 150 psalms in that book, but it's the most worthwhile song for us to think about in the Bible. And expert theologians will tell us that this is a devotional high point in the Old Testament. So it praises God, it brings blessings to the Lord, and those are things that are gonna be echoed in other texts in the Bible. But we need to put on like a Hebrew thinking cap. We need to think about this like the Eastern mindset would do. In the Hebrew ancient time, anything like this that was imaginative, artistic, colorful, graphic, That's how their minds worked. That's what they were looking for in this kind of text. And so for us, if we have an artist in the room, they might be very comfortable with this. They could think graphically about the text in that hymn. And we might have an engineer in the room who might not feel so comfortable because it's not logistical and in order. But this text is so very important to us. I wanna share with you two different ways that the same kind of verbiage shows up in the Bible. It does show up in Psalm 113. It's actually echoed there very, very beautifully. It's a hallelujah Psalm 113. Just gonna show you like a few verses, five through eight here says, who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes, with the princes of his people. Oh my goodness, like verses seven and eight are identical here to the lyrics that are in Hannah's song. And then Hannah's song echoes in the New Testament as well. It's in parts of the Magnificat. That is the song that Mary sings in Luke 1. So again, I have just a short example for you from Luke 1, verses 51 to 53. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. And so the concept here in the Magnificat is very similar in that God blesses those who stumble, the faithful who are feeble, and there's a similar caution here against our being prideful or our being arrogant. And so please know, God is not opposed to the rich. On the contrary, he blesses some of his people to be rich. It is what we do with these gifts from him that matters if we're obsessed with our wealth, if we're possessive about a particular blessing, whatever that may be, or are we like Hannah? Are we willing to surrender those blessings and give them back to the Lord, the giver of all good gifts? Because you see, just like Beth explained in God's story, 1 Samuel chapter one introduces Hannah as the barren wife of Elkanah. 
And when they traveled faithfully every year to Shiloh, that was Israel's religious center at the time before Jerusalem. Hannah would cry out to the Lord for a child and she was praying so very emotionally that one time that Eli thought she was drunk. He thinks she's making a spectacle of herself. But later, when she conceives, Hannah does name the child Samuel. And it's her way of remembering that she has borrowed him from the Lord. And because God answers her prayer for a child, she commits this son to the service of the Lord. And in fact, Samuel grows up under the guidance of Eli in Shiloh. He becomes the last judge of Israel. And he's the man that God speaks to and that God speaks through in the selection of Saul to become king. And later in the selection of David, a man after God's own heart. So Hannah bears witness to the wisdom of the Lord. In God's wisdom, he provides for us. In his timing, he answers our prayers. And it, it may not be the way that we humanly desired, but his thoughts and his ways are so much greater than ours. God's blessings, God's provision, God's timing, all of that is always better than what we could have chosen for ourselves. God is never late with his promises, but I sure do feel like he's never early either. <laughs> Back in 2018, when I was laid off from Grace Presbyterian Church, I thought I'd just pick up another position at another church because just a few years prior, I had earned my Master's of Divinity at Fuller, the best seminary ever. And I'd passed all of my ordination exams and I had left the PCUSA and I'd come to ECO and I had already successfully appeared before the Presbytery of the State of Texas. And after all, they deemed me to be worthy of a call. So it must be time. It was time to leave a position as a director and to move into the position of a pastor at some church. Clearly, that's what this layoff was all about. Yeah, and then it didn't help that friends of mine kept telling me, oh, you are a shoe-in for this position over at this other church. And when I interviewed with their executive pastor and he told me he was gonna talk to their search team, he could envision me being hired there. Yeah, if anyone has ever served on a search team, like if you talk to Jennifer Arthur, you talk to Jeff Tatum here in our church, the Holy Spirit moves in the pastor search team. And at that particular church where I had interviewed, their search team did not sense that I was the person for the job. Oh goodness, how the Lord brings the proud to our very knees. And for the next 18 months, I searched for a job, diligently for any job. <laughs> in that time in the middle, it was tough. It was good, but man, it was tough. You see, God used those 18 months to shape me and my focus turned like squarely on him. Altogether, my family, we worshiped in a completely different environment in a different church than we'd ever experienced in our lives. 
my time with him kind of became like this, like this devotional to him. And as a family, we just went on faith. <laughs> we went on faith and I became completely open to whatever wisdom God had for me. And it's the same way with Hannah. She turns from her desperate cries for a child to seeking favor of the Lord. She seeks his wisdom over her own and in God's excellent timing, he chooses to bless her with a child. And Hannah gives this son Samuel to the Lord for his purposes. And Samuel will lead Israel to the monarchy that they so greatly desire with King Saul. And Samuel, Samuel will spiritually help them and hold them together in this whole tumultuous time under King Saul's rule. And he will bring them to the kingdom that God has in mind with David, who pulls together Israel as one strong nation. Hannah's song her praise, her thanksgiving. This is just part of a family of the biblical hymns that men and women compose and sing about the glory of God, his triumph of the weak over the strong, and always, always there's something about his wisdom, his strength, his power. And so songs like this, when the text is all indented like I showed you, Songs like this are incredibly important in the Bible. At face value, they express the feelings or the experiences of the singer or of the composer. But there's always a deeper meaning in there. Here, Hannah bears witness to the greater wisdom of the Lord. In this song, in the Hebrew text, this is an ancient poem of thanksgiving. And at face value, Hannah praises God for his divine change in her life, in her station. But in a deeper meaning, <laughs> the Holy Lord, our rock, he pays attention to our circumstances. He weighs them, and when necessary, he sets our lives in balance. And as I mentioned in the book of 1 Samuel, it provides us with that transition, the period of the judges, and the monarchy beginning with King Saul, this song from Hannah helps us with this transition. It's incredibly important for the people of Israel to trust in God's wisdom for leadership over the next thousand years, from Samuel's birth through all the various kings to Jesus' birth. And across that time, all too often, God's people trust in their own human wisdom rather than seeking the all-knowing, all-powerful presence of God. So with Israel or without her, the biblical narrative shows us that God will bring about his plan for an everlasting kingdom with the everlasting King Jesus. And along the way, the people that God chooses to work with him well, they may come as a surprise to us as humans. They may face great difficulties and yet still serve him wholeheartedly, just like Hannah, just like her son Samuel. And are we any different today than from ancient Israel? Too often, 
We may trust our own human wisdom rather than seeking God's wise plan and his blessing for us. But when we work at having a right relationship with God, it inevitably brings this obedience desire in our hearts. And God values this. He blesses this. He honors this. Hannah reflects on how many, on how God may turn around the lives of the powerfully proud so that they know humble weakness. And likewise, the weak so that they know strength. And scripture tells us God deals with the weak and the foolish of the world to confound the mighty so that the strength and wisdom of God may be made evident to the world. Hannah's lyrics clearly demonstrate this incomparable nature of God. He alone is righteous. He alone is good. And she rejoices at God's blessing. Her words point out the shame of those who glory and trust in their own strength, in their own wisdom. And she illustrates how God exalts his people who are righteous and who worship him alone. Recognizing God's wisdom, his power, his providence. This is key for us to see how he shifts the state of one's being. God may bring to nothing the arrogant boasts of the mighty. He may lend strength and power to the weak. It's in this way that those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness will receive the bread of life, the living water of Jesus Christ. We can celebrate Hannah's song as a vital and important link in scripture from the judges to the kings. And Hannah's song connects ultimately with the coming of God's kingdom in his timing, with his power over life and death. The Lord gives strength to the weak, food to the hungry, honor to the humble. And all of this, again, just like I pointed out last week, is occurring in a highly patriarchal society in Israel, just like we saw last week with Judge Deborah. So this week with Hannah, this song of praise and thanksgiving coming from a woman makes it revolutionary in its implications. Hannah's personal experience, her prayer, these demonstrate that it's God's particular privilege to work powerfully in both men and women. Hannah passionately and eloquently expresses that both women and men are called to be the servants of God and are to receive his wisdom, his power. The Lord is our rock, he is holy, therefore he is trustworthy. He is true, he is just, even in the darkest of times, even if we're facing injustice or an attack on our character. We have to understand that God will care for his people, that his words are dependable. His words are a solid rock for us in today's shifting sands of humanism, in the lure of pagan worship. 
and as the people of God, we are never alone. During Hannah's dark hours, there may have been times where she had no discernible sign of what God was doing for her. But she still lived according to his word. She was waiting expectantly for his victory. Can you relate to that kind of expectant hope, waiting on God's wisdom, waiting for his timing and his provisions? Like in my own story, my friends, do you know it was 12 months exactly to the very week that I was laid off, 12 months exactly later, First Pres hired Chad Erb to lead this congregation. And six months later, I came to work here. What if I had insisted on my own plan? What if I had been so determined about my wisdom that I didn't give that over to the Lord? What if God hadn't given me that time in the middle to completely rely on him, on his wisdom, on his perfect timing to bring me to this excellent job? And there were times when I could not see any discernible signs of what God was going to do for me. And still I hoped Still I waited for his victory and I believe that I was blessed. The Song of Hannah is one of our Bible's most eloquent voices, testifying to God as the true source of wisdom, providence, and power. It's not by our strength that we prevail. And that speaks to one of our most familiar temptations to believe that we can control our own destiny, that we know what's best for us, then we know when the timing should occur. Rather than discerning what God is doing in the world. Hannah sings and she offers hope to Israel. She offers hope to us of a different reality at work in this world different from what we might customarily expect. And Hannah sings of a God who has infinite wisdom and faithful provision that can transform us to be wise, to be humble in serving his people. So let us also sing praise. Let us sing thanksgiving to God from hearts of gratitude, from hearts that desire to worship God the God of wisdom, the God of power, the God of glory. The Apostle Paul put it best in Colossians chapter three, verses 16 and 17. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All glory and praise to God, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, you are mighty, you are great, you are wise. Grant us, Lord, the courage to trust you 
and trust that you know what is best for us and when. We love you, gracious God, and we trust in your son. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org. Our services are available on our website and find us on Instagram at fpc underscore kingwood. We'll see you next time.